Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It will be found in chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents, for to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance." But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you've ever been to a summer vacation Bible school, you know that the kids have a blast. There's so much energy, there's so much excitement, and sometimes the adults even get to be part of skits where they sort of portray Bible stories uh, for the children. And one year at a previous church, they asked me to be a part of a a play, and it was a, a skit basically about the Pharaoh not letting the people go. So Moses was the one saying, let my people go. And the kids in the room got to be Moses. So they would say, you know, let our people go. And it was my job as Pharaoh, because they recruited me to be the bad guy for some reason, to say, no, I will not let them go. 
And I got to do this all week long. And on Friday, this little boy who was probably about five years old came up to me and he said, if you were the real Pharaoh, I would like that. And he just started punching the air. And you know, we might need to talk about Jesus and what he said about violence. But anyway, you know, he, he just had in his mind, what if this was the real Pharaoh? I would, I would take him down. I would do that. You know, kids, don't they have amazing imaginations? Uh, you know, they just have these very positive imaginations where they say, what if? I mean, if you can think about your own self as a child, you, did you have those anticipations? What if I go downstairs on Christmas morning and it's exactly what I asked for? right? What if I had a superpower? If I could fly? What if I was invisible? What are the things that I would do to my friends or my teacher if I was invisible? What if, what if, what if, right? What if? Imaginations that are so creative, that are not always based in reality, but they do think about what is possible. I don't know what happens, but over time, the world sort of trains us to not be as positive. We become more realistic. We become people that start saying, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? You know, when we're younger and a little bit wiser, we think, well, what if I go to school and the people don't like me? Or when we're older and we're worried about our GPA and getting into the college that we want to go to, we think, what if I get into this class and I don't do well? What if I take an AP course and I don't pass the exam? What if, what if? What if, right? We begin thinking negatively and not really responding out of faith, but we start thinking out of fear. I want to say to us that this is just part of the human experience. We have optimistic, positive what ifs. Those are based on the future that could be better and brighter. They allow us to put ourselves in situations that are a little bit risky, but sometimes pay off. And then there are the negative what ifs. They're often our minds assessing the consequences. We're saying, well, what if this? What if that happens? What if I lose? What if I fail? It's focused on safety and security and preservation. Recently, uh, I was reading an email from the new counselor at the high school where my daughter is about to be a senior. That's right, senior, which means next year, college debt. Anyway, um, I was reading this article where she said that one of her jobs was to help the students who are seniors try to make the best decisions with the best information they have, knowing that it's possible they may end up making a wrong decision. And she said, for instance, when I went off to college, I wanted to go to the University of Pennsylvania she had this dream and she went up there and after one semester, she knew she had made the wrong decision. She moved back to Birmingham, went to Birmingham Southern and graduated. It was the perfect fit. And the question in, in my mind is, you know, what happened if she didn't put the risk out there? What if she didn't take that risk and go to UPenn? Would she know what she really wanted? If she had played it safe and just gone to school here, it seemed like it would have been a good fit, but she may not have had that experience. Sometimes we put ourselves 
in risky situations and we learn and we grow from those, we can benefit from those, but it's always a risk. I found a great quote from James Joyce. I believe we have the quote, if we can get it ready. Uh, It's from Ulysses. He's an Irish author. And this is what he says. A man of genius makes no mistakes. And how many men are sitting there, you know, hitting their wives and saying, see, I don't make mistakes. He makes no mistakes. His errors are volitional and are the portals of discovery. What that means is, that errors are just leading to better choices in the future. I'm willing to risk and make a mistake so that I learn and grow from it. There are portals of discovery, not errors that I have to safeguard myself from. That's the mindset I think we need to take into the parable of the talents. This is the last parable we're looking at this summer in our study of the parables according to the Gospel of Matthew. And we're ending here in the 25th chapter, which has several, several interesting parables. And often at the very end, there's this sort of scene of judgment uh, that is really taking into account, did we do what God wanted us to do at the end of things? So in this parable, there's a master who's very wealthy and he goes off on a trip of some kind and he goes away for a long time and he has three servants that he entrusts his talents too. Now, when we think of talent, what do we normally think of? A skill set, a skill set, some sort of an ability. But in the Bible, that's not really what the talent is that we're talking about. In the New International Version, if you read the same story, instead of talent, it says bags of gold. So one person gets five bags of gold, One person gets two bags of gold. One person gets one bag of gold. A talent is essentially about 6,000 denarii, which is a coin. You may remember that there was a parable of the workers in the vineyard where everybody got a denarius for one day of work. And a a denarius is essentially minimum wage for one day of work. It's enough to keep one family alive for one day. So this person is giving away, in a sense, entrusting to his servants while he's gone with a fortune. 6,000 denarii would be about 15 to 20 years of labor and wages. It's a fortune to them. And, And you can imagine what sort of a responsibility. This is a weighty responsibility that they are given. Here's all this money, all this gold. Do something with it that would make your master proud. And he goes away. And, and one of the things that it tells us is that the master knows his servants and he knows their abilities. To each is given according to their ability. So the abilities of the ones who are entrusted more are greater than the one who's given less. But they're still entrusted. They're still valued and believed in. The master believes in the one servant who gets one talent, even though he may not be as experienced as the one who gets five. So you see, this is a story about a man entrusting all of this valuable resources into their hands because he believes in them and he trusts them to do what he would do. He trusts them to do what he would do with the money, not what they would do with the money. So what happens? The two that acted out of faith, 
out of knowing their master, of understanding the responsibility that's laid upon their shoulders, they double the investment. They end up making a return on the money and they're able to give their master even more. They don't act out of fear. They probably thought in their minds, what if I lose money on this? What if, what if, what if, right? Their negative thoughts were probably there. I mean, if you had five talents, five bags of gold, and it was put in your hands to responsibly use it for someone that is over you, you're probably gonna have those thoughts. And yet they overcame that and invested it and did something even better. They acted out of faith, not fear. The one servant acted out of fear instead of faith. Instead of of investing the money, he was afraid. He's the only servant who seems to have a negative portrayal of his master. Did you notice that? He's the one that sort of says, I thought you were somebody who didn't really operate his business ethically. So I, I hid the money so that I wouldn't be treated unfairly by you. He sees the master in a negative light. He's acting out of fear about what the master would do to him if he failed. So what did he do? He buried it. And we might think, be thinking, that sounds crazy. Why would you bury something like this? Legally, in that time, he would not be responsible for the money if it was dug up and stolen because he did the only thing you could do. There were no banks. He buried it. He safeguarded it. He didn't lose it. He didn't lose it investing. He kept it safe. So legally, he was fine. But his master was not happy because his master wanted him to invest and do something with it. Right? You got two people who are entrusted. They're believed in. They're empowered. And they take a risk and they do something great with it. They act the way the master told them to act. But then you've got one who acts out of fear and he doesn't do the thing that he's entrusted to do. He's so afraid he just returns exactly what was given to him. This is something I think that we need to learn from this parable is that risk is a part of the kingdom of God. We are supposed to do something with what we're given. We are supposed to do something in God's name and to be faithful, even in difficult times, even when it seems like something may not be possible. It's worth doing or trying. It's worth putting an investment into the work of the kingdom. We might think, well, we're not big enough. We're not strong enough. We're not like those other churches. We don't have their resources. That doesn't seem to be at all what the master cares about. The master doesn't care about the servant with one talent making 10 talents out of it. He just says, I want you to do something with this, right? It's not a comparison game. It is essentially, I have given you this. What are you going to do with it? When we start comparing ourselves, when we start believing in the negative what ifs, we end up boxing ourselves in to walls that may not need to be there. When we try to be so risk adverse that we don't even step out in faith, we may find the opportunities that God has put into our hands and into our laps going away. And we were frozen instead of being chosen for that opportunity. How many times have we walked by someone on the street 
and not used what God has entrusted to us. How many times have we been in a situation at work or at school where we could have cared for somebody and we didn't use what was entrusted to us? How many times have we not taken the risk for God's sake? Now, again, one of the things that we have a problem with is that comparison. We start comparing ourselves to others and we say, well, I only have one talent. This person has five. They doubled it. I didn't. So I must not be as good or as holy or as effective as that other person. And I think we've got to be careful about that as well. That comparison trap is part of that negative what if. I am not that Good, so therefore I shouldn't take the risk. God doesn't see it that way, does He? God sees the ability in each person to do something, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what other people do, it matters what you do with what's been entrusted to you. John Claypool was an Episcopal priest, he served in the Birmingham area, Uh, he was an author and just a wonderful person. He passed away several years ago. And he was talking about this very parable in one of the books that I read. And he said that when we get to heaven, he just imagined this this scenario. When we get to heaven and we meet an angel or St. Peter at the gates uh, of heaven, we're not going to be uh, looked at and and sort of looked at our, our accomplishments in life and say, well, Billy Graham did better. Or, you know, Mother Teresa did a lot more than you did. That's not what God is going to do. That's not what this parable says. We're not going to be compared to the greatest and best. The question is going to be, according to John Claypool, we'll have it on the screen. What have you done with what has been entrusted to you? What have you done with what's been entrusted to you? What have you done? We've been given a lot of blessings in our lives. We've also had a lot of difficulties that we've faced. We can lean into the negative what ifs and wall ourselves off and not use what's been entrusted to us. Or we can act out of faith. We can take a little risk, not so much so that we put ourselves in danger, but a little bit of risk for the sake of Jesus Christ. And then we can say, it didn't work out this time, but it was worth it because I learned something. I've grown in some way. I know now what I really have and what I really can do. You know, when, when people would come and volunteer in the positions in the church, sometimes they would find exactly where they're supposed to be and sometimes they would find where they should not be. I have had some people get on the finance committee and realize they should never ever be allowed to be on that committee. <laughs> but you know what? They find out, they learn something. They took a little risk. <laughs> they had to serve for three years, but they did a little risk and then they can move on to the next service. You know, sometimes it's just about showing up and doing it and learning and growing and figuring out what I've been entrusted with because there are things that, friends, you have been given that I haven't been given and vice versa. And we're not supposed to be compared to each other. We're supposed to do something with what we've been given. What are you going to do 
with what's been entrusted to you. I hope during this service of communion that we're about to enter into that you think about that question. As you come forward and receive the bread and the cup, and you remember all that Jesus did with what was entrusted to him, the, the gravity of his sacrifice for us, and we start thinking, well, what do I have to offer? What can I do? What's been entrusted to me? Maybe you shouldn't look back and think about all the missed opportunities. Maybe you should start thinking about what if now, knowing what I know, this is what I can do. Tomorrow, next week, next year, this is the step that I am going to take because I know that God has believed in me and entrusted me with something that's not to be used for myself. It's supposed to be shared and invested and made to be a blessing beyond me. Amen.